We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. My guy is calling in. A-double, fresh haircut, looking sexy as hell. What up, baby? <laughs> yeah, this is the biggest weekend. Would you agree this is like the best quality weekend of the year for football? That's what the consensus opinion is. Yes. Quality, this is it because you have the four best teams from each conference. For the most part, the right teams are here, with the exception of maybe uh, maybe one team because of injuries. But I would agree with you. Yeah, this is the consensus best weekend of football from a quality standpoint. And, and I'm excited, man. We've always seen some... I mean, dude, last year's matchups were all time. Like, that's the greatest weekend ever, right? We had that Bills-Chiefs game. We had the, the... All of them were within one score. Right, you had the Rams the and the fest and Lambo. Right. You had the Rams and the Bucks also. So yeah, man, let's see if it could it, it could be duplicated this this year. Though, you know, don't want to talk too much betting because we do got Kenny joining the show later on. But Alan, most of these games last year were less than a touchdown point spread. So the games were expected to be close. Mm-hmm. Where here you got a couple of, you know, plus eights, plus nines. So there's some mismatches, but I do think every team that's here deserves it. Like we could say we want, but the Jaguars or I think no Giants Floyd deserve. Like I think the Jaguars might be the one choice. People are like oh really? But look, man, I don't want to go on a Chargers rant, but no one's convincing me the Chargers belong here after that. Do you have any any quick thoughts on what happened with the Chargers? Because I've expressed mine. Ah uh, man, I just. Obviously, Joe Lombardi, he's gone. I think with teams, like if you're not able to run the ball with the big lead, like no semblance of a running game, it's going to come back to haunt you. And I just don't, I think that's what you got to do to put together these long drives. Like when you have a 27 7 lead and you can't put together any sort of running game, it's going to affect you. And yet, defense looked kind of uh, soft and Herbert didn't make the plays you expect him to. But 
and it looks staley, staley. But I think if the Chargers are really going to take the next step, they have to use Eckler as more of an accessory than a lead back. And I think they really have to do some soul searching this offseason to boost their all line and running game because you just that's the way to defend the lead, especially when, of course, you have the Mike Williams issue, which that's another ordeal because the Chargers really need to score at least 34 points in that, and they ain't get to it. So it's a multitude of issues, but I look at mostly offensively rather than defensively. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And I expressed my concerns on on the pod earlier this week. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. I was joined by Jason Griggs, uh, a buddy of mine out here in Vegas. He's a big Cowboys fan, and we were chopping it up, talking about it. And yeah, all my, all my concerns, I just wanted to hear what Alan had to say about that one. But I do want to dive into this weekend, man. We'll go in order of the games, Alan. But I have a couple of uh, interesting notes and tidbits as we're running through some of these games. I want to mention that the NFC East becomes the first division since 1997 to have not one, not two, but three teams in the divisional round. And who would have thought, right? Like last year, this division was the laughingstock. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't too long ago that it was a joke of a division where I believe it was, was it like eight wins or nine wins got you the division title? And the NFC yeah. least was the nickname. Mm-hmm. And then to have it in... Now, as you got the Eagles, the number one seed in the NFC, you got the Cowboys, who one of the top teams in the NFC in a lot of people's perspectives, and then you had the Giants sneaking in also. So it's cool to see that division turn around. And yeah. something very reluctant to say anything good about the Cowboys. There, I looked at the your your facial expression, the big pause, very reluctant to talk about the Cowboys after that sensational morning that performance. Listen, man, my my pockets are not going to recover for a couple of weeks. It was rough. It was rough. This is the game. This is the game I chose. This is the life I chose, right? But it's going to be yeah. So it's the life I chose, man. This is this is the game. It That's like it. A true I'm rattled. I'm rattled, bro. You can't hear me. I can't even put sentences together. It's 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 been oh, rough. Man. But I don't want to talk about wild card weekend. Let's move on. Ages of the eight remaining quarterbacks. Did you catch this one, Alan? They're all under 30. All under 30. You got Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, both 23 years old. Jalen Hurts, 24. Daniel Jones, 25. Allen and Burrow, 26. Mahomes, 27. And the old head is Dak Prescott at 29 years old. This is the next generation. A lot of the quarterbacks that are in here are the ones that we thought would be here and would be making noise moving forward. And I can't stress this enough, man. And we see it immediately in this first matchup. Five of the eight guys have rookie contracts. They're not getting paid anything significant against the cap like some of the other teams in the NFL. And that's the biggest luxury you could have. And that segues into Jaguars versus the Chiefs, Alan. Hit us off. What are you looking at in this game? Ooh. I want to see how Steve Spagnuolo fires up the defense because you know this is Spag season. Every January when the Chiefs get here, it's like, okay, their defense is looking kind of rattled. The season has been ups and downs, but for the most part, I think Spags gets his defense to play come January. And I just think, man, that first half with Trevor Lawrence, like I would say two of the four interceptions were on him. One is a really good play by Bosa. The other one I thought Samuel Jr. got away with the DPI, but the third and fourth interceptions were just... I don't know what reads he was making. I just think Spagnuolo, you know he's going to crank up those blitzes. I think he fully depends on Chris Jones, who 
to me, I think Chris Jones is now the best interior defensive tackle in the league. I know look, everyone loves Aaron Donald, but I think Chris Jones had a year where he could be defensive player of the year. I know Bose is a consensus pick, but Chris Jones has been so dominant. So I'm actually looking more forward to seeing what the Chiefs defense could do because this is the time of year where they really crank it up against a Jaguars offense that, oof, man, you can't count them out regardless of the playmakers they have. They have a weird group of playmakers, but they get it done. And I just think also we can't go without this conversation talking about the really cool aspect of Doug Peterson, a former quarterback and a, and a former offensive coordinator on there, Andy Reid. So that coaching connection, that's going to be really exciting to watch. You also have the wrinkle of Andy Reid as a head coach, 27-4 and four coming off a bye. This is just straight up. It's not against the spread. Though his against the spread record is really dominant as well, Alan. But extra time to prepare. We've heard about this. And we've also seen him with Kansas City to just, I mean, they've had a bye week pretty much every time he's been there for the most part. Yeah. And there's another scenario where they're going to have extra time to prepare. You're right. It's teacher versus pupil once again. Doug Peterson in his career as an underdog in the playoffs, 6-0. and So that's something where they're playing this underdog card. Trevor Lawrence. He was an underdog against Minnesota and Atlanta. Yeah, dude, because they, they, the, they had the backup. They had fools, Bro, yeah. you don't remember when they pulled up in the underdog mass? That became like their, their battle cry. Yeah, I know. It's just they were a one seed and like, right. I get it. Yeah, it makes but, sense. It was just weird, that aspect. But given that their offense looked like pure trash the last month of the season once once down. so And we got to remember, understand. this was Carson Wentz MVP, right? Like Carson Peak, Wentz yeah, was, and then fools, yeah. he was minus 500 before he blew out his yeah. knee against the Rams. He was going to win the MVP. All he had to do is just play those last two, three games, how many games that were left. So, yeah, that's why, you know, you're the one seed. Yeah, it's all fine and dandy, but that's why that was the battle cry, bro. All the guys, Jason Kelsey, Chris Long, oh, also shouts to him. Lane Johnson. Yeah, yeah, like they all had the the underdog mask. So it's going to be interesting to see now that dynamic also because Mahomes is 3-0 and against the Jaguars in his career. And granted, look, it's not exactly... They were in a powerhouse most of the times that they played them. And there was that one year where they were like a 22-point favorite at home against, against the Jaguars. And this is, a, this is a rematch from a regular season game. We mentioned on last week's episode, we had a lot of rematches. Non-divisional rematches, I should say, where 72% of the time, the team that wins that regular season game ends up winning in the playoffs again. Of course, my boys, the G-Men, they derailed that trend. They were part of the 28%, Allen. But to me, I think it's going to come down to... I just think that the Chiefs have been silent all year round. They've turned it on when they've needed to. But I think this is what they play for now, man. They know that they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they're battle-tested. They've seen it all. The only thing they haven't seen, Allen, is a road playoff game in a hostile environment because everything has had to go through Kansas City as these playoffs are going to have to happen before we conclude with a winner in the AFC. To me, I think it's a great story what's happened with Jacksonville. Uh, I take pride in picking them, uh, betting them to win the AFC South and that predicament that we had laid out how the only way they could make the playoffs is to win the division. But I'll be shocked if this isn't a multiple score win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Agreed. I just think Jaguars make too many mistakes on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they're pretty undisciplined. They allow a lot of yards to tight ends. I think they're up there as like the lead leaders in that. And 
and you give Travis Kelsey any sort of free access, he's going to turn a eight yard completion to 16, 20 yard completion. Those chunk plays will add up. The Juju's do for a big game because Jaguars don't really cover well in the slot either. So as long as the Chiefs don't pull what they did in the AFC Championship last year against the Bengals and beat themselves, this is their game. Like, I just think there's too many advantages. But I just think it will be cool seeing what this Jacksonville offense can do because we want to see Trevor's progression. And look, I know we may fund their offseason, but Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, they've delivered this year. It's, it's weird, but they've, they've shown out in spots. So you got to give kudos to the Jaguars front office. And, you know, I just I think that's ultimately what I want to see what the Jaguars offense do because I just think Chiefs offense versus Jaguars defense is a total mismatch. And, I'll be shocked if Kansas City doesn't score minimum 30 points. Yeah, I think the 30 threshold is going to be passed by Kansas City. And also, if you're if you're going to have turnovers against Kansas City, this isn't the Chargers. Andy Reid no. is not going to be plus five on you in turnovers and lose this game. They're going to go out there. They're going to dominate. They're going to do their thing. I see this being a big Kelsey game. I could see them continuing to run the ball. They had 155 total yards in their first meeting. And it was... You know, it was 27 to 10 up until like the last drive for the Jaguars. They were in cruise control throughout this whole game when they played them back in week 10. And yeah, a lot of things have changed for the Jaguars. They believe in themselves more and they're playing better football. But you know, was it was it an epic comeback or epic coll- collapse last week? Would we feel different about this if that game didn't transpire the way it did? I just think that Kansas City now, they've been on cruise control. They've been chilling. This is where they wake up and they turn it on. And I just trust them to have a rather convincing win on Saturday. I think that was Pacheco's breakout game. That's what I think kind of solidified his spot in team. And then and we got to talk about Jerk McKinnon. I yep. feel like every week he's somehow in the end zone. Like the Chiefs are so dominant in the red zone, but like McKinnon, whether it's through a run, screen, just a little flat, like he just manages to get there. And he's just another guy who could create mismatches. And look, I think they're going to try to get Kadaris Tony more involved as well. He's another X factor. So it's just Kansas City. They have so many ways they can beat you. And I just don't think the Jacksonville defense could do much to stop them. I love when I love when I don't even really research a stat. And I just think like my perception of it is that they would be that high up in the rankings, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And then when I do research it and it validates it, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's like the right thing, right? Like if I was to tell you where do you think the Kansas City Chiefs rank in red zone offense, what would you say? I think third. Yeah, they're second, right? But like what I'm okay, saying is yeah. that it's it seems like that would be the case. If I was to tell you, oh, they're 23rd, yeah. you'd be like, what the hell? 23rd, no. right? But and and then the Jaguars red zone defense is is 17th. So I think that's a big mismatch. They they score touchdowns. You gotta score touchdowns against Kansas City. Also, I think I think it's a rather comfortable win for Kansas City on Saturday. Hey, I'll give credit to Doug. You know Doug's going to go for it, though. He'll go for it every time, at least. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, even though it's a mismatch, it's, this is going to be fun. And I do think they deserve to be here. So I want to totally just put down the matchup. Like, it's going to be entertaining. It's just you're not going to get any. I highly doubt we'll get, like, a one-score real nail-biter. Saturday night, Giants Ooh. at the Eagles. The Eagles won the regular season series 2-0. The second game really didn't matter. We had Davis Webb out there. I think I think uh, no Leonard Williams and Adoree Jackson, the last time that they played them, um, was... That a was big, a competitive one. Yeah, the, the, the one that mattered when they played them in, in week yeah. 14 and the Eagles just 
you know, destroyed them. I think having them back, look, last week, dude, heading into that Vikings game, the Giants social media team put out the injury report and it was just dot, dot, dot with a wink. They had no one on the injury report. And I've told this story many times when I was at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, when the guy that hooks me up with Giant tickets was like, yo, we're going to win this game. And he was very confident. And he said it's because no one from the week one roster of the 53, no one that was a starter or a significant role player, it was like the backup right guard, was inactive for the Super Bowl. So it's being healthy at the right time. Where Philly, yeah, Jalen Hurts isn't on the injury report this week, so I think he's going to be fine. But also there are a little bit of concerns. This is a big spot for him too, right? The first time as we got my guy Sean out there repping the Eagles jersey, Eagles jacket. Oh, That's, hey, listen, uh, man, you know, they're, they're, they're out here all year long. They're out here. Uh, him and Ryan do the Sports Gambling Podcast. And uh, I don't know how them two get along all these years. Eagles and a Giants fan, bro. I would never be able to do that, Alan. I would never be able that's to a, that's do that. That's a rivalry. That's, yeah, that's I, a rivalry's rivalry. I can't, I can't date a girl that's an Eagles fan. Imagine me having to do, be, have a co-host that's an Eagles fan. Like, it's, it's getting a little crazy here. But the Eagles finished 14-3, and three, their only loss being handed to them when Hurts was in the game. Um, only one loss, excuse me, of the three where when Hurts was actually starting in that one, and that was the game against Washington. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this is going to look like because Philly played a lot of their starters in that Week 18 game. The Giants played Davis Webb. Like, no one really played for the Giants. And they put up 22 points against the Giants. And I wonder if, like, the his shoulder is still a concern for him because he missed Week 16, he missed Week 17, and... You know, he hasn't really had to play play in what, like six weeks, would you say? Where it mattered? Yeah. This was a I concern was that we this was a concern that we had when we were talking about this matchup when we were previewing week 18. Like, yo, you should play him at least because the last thing you would want if you were Jalen Hurts is to just go out there, all right, yo, you haven't thrown in five weeks, and now it's a divisional game. Well, they had to secure a one seed too. That they, Philly's a team that had to get the one seed because right. they have a huge home field advantage. Like it's it's very intimidating going to Lincoln Financial Field, especially under the lights. I'm gonna make the case against the Giants, though. I do obviously want them to win. The one thing that is really concerning is how wide open the guys were, Hodges and Slayton, against the Vikings last week. But the defenses are nowhere near the same. Eagles, second-ranked, third-ranked defense per PFF. And the Vikings last week, 29th. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have, you know, four Mississippi to get rid of the ball and have Slayton and have Hodgins, who I love Hodgins now, man. Like, the, the parallels between this Giants team, bro, and, like, the old Giants teams that have went on runs, Allen, are remarkable, dude. Are remarkable. Daniel Jones, <laughs> Daniel Jones in his yeah. fourth year, like Eli was. Hodgins is like Steve Smith, Victor Cruz, right? You have, all right, you don't have the alpha wide receiver like you have Plaxico, but you have the alpha running back. So it's like the running back room and the wide receiver room kind of switched, where you have a lot Listen, of, you had Brandon Kenny, Jacobs. Kenny Galvey had a pan, Brandon, Kenny Galvey had a pancake last week. He's coming back. As I'm alpha. doing the, the, the Nate Diaz salute right here. That's, that's how Kenny Galladay should have stood over that corner. Like, what's up, baby? $72 million block right there. Yeah. I'm we worried. talk about the Jacobs. 
Well, yo, Jacobs and, and, and Bradshaw are like how these receivers are now. And then Plaxico would kind of be Saquon Barkley, where it's like, all right, that's the guy that we really need to spotlight and, and take advantage of. And then you have the defensive lineman. I think that defensive line is playing really, really well. And that's what I feel most confident in because the Eagles offensive line, we got to see what, I'll, what's gonna, what it's going to look like with Lane Johnson and his health. But I think the trenches, the Giants are really good in the trenches, which is something I haven't said in a decade also. But I'm really concerned with how open those receivers were last week. Because, yeah, you could scheme them open, but the Vikings secondary is not anywhere near what Philly has. They have two pro bowlers, James Bradbury revenge. You got Slay also. That's the matchup that I'm Gardner Johnson's back. Yeah. CJ, CJ Gardner-Johnson, you know, is going to talk that talk as well. So, the uh, Eagles got a bunch of tone setters. And I think they're the only team in the league that has, like, four players with if not double-digit sacks, at least over eight sacks, because Asana Rek has been ridiculous here. I had no idea he had 16 sacks until a few weeks ago. I'm just like, wow, he is just dismantling these right tackles. And Josh Sweat has really come on. We know Hargrave is a beast, and Brandon Graham are always reliable. So, And then you know, the old veterans. You got to make sure you got, obviously, Fletcher Cox, but then you have Linval Joseph. You know Sue wants to win another Super Bowl, so it's just their D-line goes so deep. So this is going to really take... Uh, Dable and Kafka, like they're really going to have to put together something where it just you got to get the ball out quick. You got to run a lot of option, a lot of play action. Like it wouldn't shock me if Daniel Jones got double digit carries. Like I could see him getting 10 to 12 rushes just because they got to do something to slow down this Eagles pass rush because the Eagles get after teams. And, you know, and like you said before, they're not going to get those easy chunk plays with the second there. Like the Eagles lock in. So I think with Dable and Kafka, they're really going to have to put together game plan for the ages you know and they've done a phenomenal job this year but it's going to take a whole other level because look you're playing the best of the best now philly is a one c for a reason so uh and i just it's, it's whether it's a heavy dose of jones and barkley running or just a ton of play action i think that's the best way to do it because i just don't see how they can have a drop back passing game against the seagulls defense one thing to keep in mind jalen hurts with a clean pocket and jalen hurts when pressured he is, and this goes for a lot of quarterbacks too, but to get analytical here, completion percentage, 74% second in the NFL. Pressured, 34.5%, 26th in the NFL. And then his accuracy, it's even wider of a margin. Third in the NFL when he has a clean pocket, when he's pressured, 31st. So it's going to be important for Thibodeau and Ojolari to continue to cause mayhem. Leonard Williams and... You know, you mentioned before someone in that other game, Chris Jones. I think Dexter Lawrence, man, is... Yeah, Don't forget about the big dog. That big dog, <laughs> man. And it was cool to see Thibodeau. There was a soundbite. He goes up to him. He's like, yo, you're the best dude I've ever played with. And then they were like, yo. Wow. He's like, yo, I love you, bro. He's like, yo, I love you too. And then I was just like, oh, I love them all, man. I love them all, baby. Let's go. I think he had like eight hurries and five yeah. hits against Minnesota. And look, you look at that fourth and eight. He's the one who generated the pressure. To me, he forced Cousins to throw that ridiculous uh, ball into the flat. Yeah, man. And look, that they're they're able to get pressure with four linebackers. Which is huge. Linebackers are still an issue as they have been my whole life for the New York Giants. And the secondary, look at Dory Jackson, man. We got to show him some love too because absolutely Justin Jefferson last week when when Dory Jackson was on him, three for thirty four yards. And that's the best wide receiver in the league, offensive player of, of the year in many, many sports books and in many people's uh, opinions. So, 
if he could have a stellar performance like that to shut down a guy like A.J. Brown or even Devontae Smith, who Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard are the two guys that I think scare me the most this week. Yeah, that's that's the because I think they will have some sort of game plan to contain A.J. Brown because obviously A.J. Brown's one of the most terrifying receivers in the league. But, you know, this isn't T.J. Hawkinson. Like, Dallas Goddard's someone who could break tackles. He could go vertical, like... And just watching the Giants linebackers in coverage, it's just it's a huge mismatch. So I think I'd be really concerned about what Goddard could do and, of course, Devontae Smith. And then, you know, how they utilize those running backs. Like Gainwell can be a problem on those option routes as well. So I think the middle of the field, that's where the Eagles could attack because who knows what Hurts is going to be like when it comes to, you know, handling the pressure and throwing outside numbers. Like I could see the Eagles going maybe a little bit more of a run-first approach and just utilizing a bunch of play action and, Hidden dirt, got her down the scene because it's just you just saw how much easy looks Hawkinson was getting, but now Goddard's someone that could really do something after a catch. Uh, I mean, that was the last thing I was going to end on is Dallas Goddard versus the Giants. Uh, last week, Hawkinson had ten for one twenty nine, and <clears throat> I mean they can't cover a tight end for shit. So Dallas Goddard uh, bet his props over, bet him to have a monster game as long as he's healthy. Jalen Hurts. He's one of his main reads also, and that's him. Because I think, like you said, dude, I think they're going to scheme up something to take away A.J. Brown or at least to contain him, not have him have a big game. Mm-hmm. But again, he's so important, and the reason why I still feel as if he is the best offseason acquisition any team made this offseason is what he did to open up the rest of this offense. And Dallas Goddard's going to have a big game. Devontae Smith, I think, is going to have a monster game also. And we're going to have to hope that A.J. Brown also doesn't have a monster game. Because if all three of them are going, dude, it's, it's going to be a long night for the New York Giants defense. So my heart wants the Giants to win. I don't feel as confident as I did last week. And the closer we get to the game, I'll probably be more confident because then the fandom kicks in. And I'm like, yo, third time playing yeah. the same team. You know what I'm saying? Again, drawing the parallels to 2007 and 2011, man. You run into the divisional round. You're playing... Uh, the one seed who was in your conference, the Giants played the Cowboys way back when, and the Cowboys had swept them twice in the regular season. So I hope that, uh, I hope the parallels continue, but for, from a betting standpoint, I could see the, the the Eagles winning this game rather comfortably. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I do think Philly wins this game. Yeah, this is just, I think, a step too far for the Giants for as remarkable a season as maybe just the talent. It's just, there's too many mismatches when like you look at the rosters. I just think the firepower Philly has at the receiver position or skill position player and uh, skills position, excuse me, and just that front four. Like, if, if Daniel Jones has to stay in the pocket, it's going to be a long night. Like, I just hope Dayball and Kafka just run bootlegs, run plash, and just get them get moving because you got to do something as this Eagles pass rush because they will eat teams alive. So, and I do think they will end up at least making a mark there. So yeah, I definitely have the Eagles winning. I do think it'll be a little bit more competitive than some may expect, but I just think, look, man, Philly, it's just a step too far for the Giants. You know, let's, let's, let's give them another off season and see what they can really build towards in 2023. Am I a bad fan for not picking my team to win? No man, like at this point, they're on, you're on cloud nine right now. This has yeah. been a, this has been a magical season. Like, be proud of what they've done. But like right now, it's just we've seen the Eagles, man. We know the 49ers. Like if they were playing San Fran, you'd feel the exact same way. Like it's just there's levels to this. And look, they were expected to win five games this year. And look at them now; they're one of the top four teams in NFC. You have so much to be proud of. And 
damn it, Brian Dable, coach of the year. Just give it to him right now. Like, I love Mike Tomlin, but no, Dable is absolutely the coach of the year. Dude, VM started in 2015. This is the first time that I could record a, a Giants playoff win ever. <laughs> so, so I feel, I feel good, man. It's got, listen, we're turning this, we're turning this shit around. I wavered a little bit. Yeah. I was like, yo, I can't, I can't fuck with them no more, man. I can't do it. It hurts too much, but. Never, ne- never. And it was like sides. a flawless offensive performance too, yeah. man. Like that offense, they were firing on cylinders. And look, I want to hear about like, okay, Minnesota's defense. I'm still, you're you're on the road in a somewhat hostile environment, and it's just what they've done, man. You just got to be proud. And you look at the roster; it's just like they're just going to continue to build because it, they have such a strong young nucleus. And and I, I think also for just nostalgia purposes, the fact that you know, you like you mentioned before, they're really building in the trenches, and they got some real difference makers, like. To me, Andrew Thomas, if he's not the best left tackle in the league, he's right up there. So you just have some guys, and we talk about Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence, and I do think Evan Neal will come out eventually. I know he's had some issues in pass protection, but I think he's too good not to become a star at some point. So, man, just be proud and you know enjoy Saturday night. If it's competitive, even better. If it's dismantled, then I mean, get excited for the offseason because I think you got you got absolutely trust this front office and coaching staff. I just realized we didn't talk about Saquon Barkley one bit. I know. That's actually really bad. That's terrible, you know, right? God. Well, here's, here's the really thing. It really is. Here's the thing. Last week, he had he had 14 touches. Well, I, I, no. I don't know. For as good as that offensive performance is, dude, there were a couple of plays where they had linebackers on them, and I was just at the bar just like, oh, fantasizing about, like, nasty things, bro. I could not. I was so happy when I saw those matchups. And if there's one huge weakness the Eagles have, and they're kind of like the Giants, the Eagles invest nothing in their linebackers. Like, this is a game where if you want to see bad linebacker play, this is the game. Like, neither of these teams invest in that position whatsoever. So, if they could get Barkley isolated against those linebackers, that's where the big plays can be produced. He scored two touchdowns last week, Allen, and, and it felt like the whole team was getting so fired up on each one. Obviously, when you score a touchdown, but, like, for him to do it and— you saw some of the behind the scenes on the sideline when he was talking to all his guys. Like, man, he if he if he gets hot and I, I need more than 14 touches for Saquon Barkley, like run him into the ground. This is why you have him. And in this matchup, too, I think to neutralize that pass rush too, it got it gotta be Saquon getting the ball more than 14 times. Greens. So yeah, we just had to mention six to eight targets. Yeah, we had to mention Absolutely. we had to mention Saquon. I was bugging out. I was like, yo, there's someone we're missing, bro. And it was it was number 26. <laughs> Let's move on to the Sunday slate. We got Buffalo versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't you feel, Allen, like this should have been the game that should have been played on a neutral field? Wouldn't this one, if they matched up, would have made more sense than the AFC title game? Because it's the two teams. It's the two teams that featured the what happened on Monday Night Football. Like this, this is Mm -hmm. this is definitely the one that. Should have been the neutral, not the AFC title game, but it's the first time also. I found this little wrinkle interesting. It's the first time Allen and, and Burrow are, this is going to be the first official matchup if this game, mm-hmm. you know, goes. Um, yeah. So I kind of like Cincinnati in this one, dude. Same, man. Like to me, this is easily the hardest game to call, but it's just. I know you've been talking about the Bills' red flags for at least two months now, and like I'm starting to recognize it. Like I thought that Miami game, there were just so much concerns. You know, people are talking about since he's offensive line being a mess, and yes, unfortunately they are with three backups now. Like Jonah Williams dislocated his kneecap, so 
you know, between the right side being a disaster and now backup left tackle. Like I know the Bengals O-line's bad, but you watch this Bills O-line, man. They cannot protect them. I just think if you're so dependent on Josh Allen creating magic, which Grant, he can, obviously, but these turnovers are starting to catch up and the Bengals are one of the last teams you want to give extra opportunities to because you know how lethal Burrow is. So, yeah, I'm, the more I think about it, the more I'm going Cincy in my head. You know, we'll obviously do more of a breakdown, but it's just you like people want to compare Burrow and Allen. Burrow just looks so much more poised right now, and he's just making the better decisions under pressure. While Allen, it's just a roller coaster, and that roller coaster you can't depend on that for four games if you're going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think everyone's talking about the cluster injuries, and I've made note of that many, many times. That's one of the biggest things that a lot of professional betters look at. It's not so much like, yeah, one offensive lineman is down, you can make up for it, but when you have three or four, like we talked about the Chiefs many years ago on the Super Bowl, like that was the biggest indicator that should have told you everything you needed to know about taking Tampa Bay in that game, but you've seen it time and time again. But it's interesting because Burrow is the only quarterback in NFL history to be sacked as many times as he was last year in that divisional round when they played the Titans. Sacked nine times against the Titans, bro. And they won that game also. Granted, Money McPherson was going crazy in that game too, hitting all those field goals. But if there is a guy who has the swag and the kind of play style that can negate having a bad offensive line, I think it would be him. And also, we've seen him do it too, right? Like, this isn't, this isn't the Giants having four new starters come Sunday and we haven't seen it before with Daniel Jones not having Andrew Thomas out there, right? Like, this is a, this is a guy that we've seen have a way worse offensive line and be productive. And then the last thing I think that is really important is, dude, the secondary for Buffalo, uh, I've been talking about them. I mean, I've been talking about Buffalo being suspect for months, like you mentioned. Yeah. But some guys were getting wide open on Miami, dude. And now, now yeah. you're going to have T. Higgins getting behind you, Tyler Boyd in the slot, obviously Jamar Chase. Like, they have a lot of weapons that they could attack Buffalo's defense. And to me, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder too. Like, they, with everything that has transpired and this game being the rematch now and this game being in Buffalo, I, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. There's a lot of parallels here. Like both teams have very similar weaknesses. Like both both secondaries are concerning right now. I thought since these corners without a Wuzier is a problem. Like you saw Eli Apple jump on that uh, sluggo by Demarcus Robinson. Good lord, that was ugly. So I think they're missing a Wuzier. And then the Bills, I had Davis White just does not look the same. And they don't have great corner depth to begin with. I think they're missing Michael Hyde as well, who's you know arguably their biggest leader with along with Jordan Poyer. So I think the issues in the secondary is rough. The old line's bad. Neither team has a consistent running game. I, I think Mixon, I don't know if he's injured, but he just does not look the same. So it's kind of strange how like they have the same flaws, but both of them have similar firepower. Both teams have great linebackers, by the way. This is like the opposite of Eagles Giants. If you want to see great linebackers, watch the linebackers. Guys like Logan Wilson, Matt Milano, unsung heroes. Absolutely love seeing what they do. But it's just, yeah, it's there's a lot of similarities, and that's why... I know it kind of sounds cliche, but it really comes down to the quarterback play. And I just think Joe Burrow, how can you not trust him more than Josh Allen right now? Like, I was thoroughly impressed by how Allen, uh, how Burrow stayed composed against the Ravens because the Ravens were sending a lot of heat. And there was never a time I felt like Burrow was going to turn the ball over. Like, I felt like he made every right decision. He had that one play where he made Roquan Smith miss. Roquan Smith had a clear gap, and Burrow just sidetracked it and ran upfield seven yards, get the first down on third down. Like, I just think Burrow is just 
he's been, he's used to these beatings, he's used to being under pressure. And Allen, I just think, relies too much on his arm and he just tries to make the impossible play and it comes back to haunt him. And it's just the Roger Ferrer is not high when he plays Cincy. So yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident with the Bengals, but look, let's not underestimate the bills. And we know how powerful that home field is. Am I crazy for thinking that the Cincinnati defense is the best unit in this game? Like overall? Yeah. Offense, defense uh, for both sides. I'm still going Bengals offense. Even with the offensive line it, injuries? It, it's that's a concern, why, but like... So that's why I mentioned it, right? Like, I would I would mm-hmm. probably pick the Bengals offense first if they had all mm-hmm. their starters, but I think the one that I trust the most right now would probably be their defense. Your boy, bro. Their it's corn. your boy. Staten Island's fine. I know. Look, man. Sweet Lou, man. The the, the second grace in the Kamaz style. You know, I'm not trying to get kicked off the show right now. But uh, I, you you aren't concerned about the cores, though, man. Like, it's, it's crazy how Eli Apple's still starting. Like, and we know, and by the way, we have to point this out. You know, I know we used to always talk about playoff Lenny. Forget playoff Lenny now. It's big game Gabe. He's the new playoff god. To be Gabe Davis is someone you have to watch out for. I know he's had kind of a off and on, you know, inconsistent in the second year, or I don't know how many years it's been, like at least second or third year, but for whatever reason, Gabe Davis goes off in the playoffs, and uh, he's just another one who could exploit those corners. So that's why I'm a little concerned about this. He just, uh, like, the fact that the Ravens were getting some big plays off on them, it's just like, ooh, Because, you know, the one thing you could say about the Bills is you know, they got the playmakers on the outside. Some of you are living under a rock. The number one draft pick out of Staten Island is the Wu-Tang Clan, as uh, Allen was referencing. He made a terrible mistake a couple of weeks ago, and he said Pete Davidson. Yeah. I was like, bro, Wu-Tang is forever. <laughs> Don't get it twisted ever. Uh, who, do you, who do you, are you, are you going with Cincinnati in this one? Yeah, I'm going with Cincinnati. Damn, like, I, I, yeah, I just, I, I was more impressed. Like, I, I think people underestimate how good they look against Baltimore. I, like, Baltimore's a tough team to go up against, and, beat multiple times so uh and i know both teams are beat up it's just it's just uh, the bills are making too many mistakes for my liking and i'm gonna trust a better quarterback here i'm with you man i kind of i kind of feel the same way i think the quarterback i trust the most is joe burrow honestly it might be mahomes as the only other guy that i trust more than him like he he's up like from all right i bet this guy i know he's not gonna do no dumb shit i don't need to worry about he he would probably be first, honestly, from that perspective, because Mahomes gets a little wild, and that's a big part yeah. of his greatness, also. But Joe Burrow, it's like the only way I see him making mistakes is you know a tipped ball at the line that gets mm-hmm. ricocheted in another direction, and then it gets picked off. Like he don't really make mistakes in, in, in games of this magnitude, man. And I think that's a deciding factor. And I also think what we were talking about before, man. And look, it's it's very sad what happened with Demar Hamlin. It's great to see the progress that he's made. And you could already see him running out the tunnel and doing some crazy stuff with him being in Buffalo. But I think since he's fired up for this one, man, this is a, this is a big game. And they, they feel a little slighted. Like the Ravens might have won the division if they would have beat them in week 18 off a coin flip. Yeah. Like, like I feel like they've just been just violating Cincinnati all, on and on the NFL. I mean, the offseason, they were getting doubted. And they don't right, play stuff because yeah. they, got, they got some characters. Like, like, dude, like, speaking of, I didn't speak enough about Jamar Chase. Like, everyone looks at Jamar Chase as his vertical threat. Like, okay, the guy turns 50, 60 yard plays. 
dude, I forget how good he is after a catch when it comes to just breaking tackles. Like he is a problem to bring down. Like Baltimore has some big defensive backs and he was just breaking tackles at will. So even if they can't get those downfield shots, like they got the playmakers that, you know, they could go those six yard hitches or those stop routes and they could just get those plays and just keep putting together those 10, 12 play drives. Like Cincinnati's not dependent on the big play. Like they could get those, you know, 12 to 15 play drives and it really chopped down on this Bills defense. So yeah, I'm, I thoroughly like Cincy and, you know, I think we've been on them all year and I'm, I'm expecting this firepower to outlast the Bills. Strong call on talking about them being disrespected in the offseason as well. And then also, if you think about it, going back to Joe Burrow and being able to handle the circumstances of having a weak offensive line, I think the things that they could do well is that underneath stuff to guys like Chase and to Higgins and to Boyd. And then Hayden the yards. Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst also. So mm. the, the yards after catch as well is going to be a big part of this game too. I like, I like Cincinnati. It's, uh, that. I think they're going to be playing the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Again, rematch. Oof, fantastic rematch. Yeah. All right. You said that this one that we just broke down was the hardest game for you to, to, to figure out. For me, it's this one, dude. And I can't believe I'm having this conversation. Yeah. Take the floor. Take, talk about it. I want to hear this. Because last, last time I checked, you know, shout to, shout to like great Nipsey Hustle, But uh, last time I checked, you couldn't have been more down on Dallas. And are you now going from this one game? I want to hear this. This is a real overreaction or you, I want to hear these takes. It could, it could definitely be an overreaction. I might be yeah. a square and looking at that primetime game. I mean, all the games are primetime now, right? But looking at that mm-hmm. Monday Night Football game and seeing that performance, I'm always a little concerned when a guy has the best performance of his career, what's going to happen the next week. And that's what I think Dak Prescott had on Monday night. I think that's the best game he's ever played. Accounted for five touchdowns, threw four, ran one in. And just also, like, his poise in the pocket, bro, looking looking right, looking left, then going back right. Even Troy Aikman mentioned how he was going through four or five different reads. And it was just his composure in the pocket, too. Like, everything across the board, that was the best game that he's played. If he... If I knew for certain, and this is what makes all these conversations so interesting and and fun to to have, if I knew that that Dak is showing up, it wouldn't surprise me if they go to the Super Bowl. Like, I think his performance was so unbelievable. But on the flip side, that's what worries me also. Like, I have a rule in the NBA. I don't bet the NBA much. I think NBA regular season is wild to bet on. It's too volatile. You have guys on minute restrictions, three games in four nights. Uh, dudes are just not playing like 707 in the East Coast. You've bet the Sixers minus four and a half. And then they're like, oh, Embiid's out, you know, uh, personal day or rest or, or, or something. And load management, that's what it is on the official yeah, injury report. And then you're like, oh, man, I just took all his, his totals over or whatever it might be. And it's just, it's just too chaotic for me in the NBA regular season. But when it comes to like the NBA playoffs, that's that's completely different, right? Like that's a whole different animal. But when it comes to this situation with Dak, like in the regular season, if I see a guy in the NBA have a monster game, right? Like I've made one NBA bet this year, Alan. It was the game after Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points, I think it was. Yeah. His, his point total the next game was like 32 and a half. I was like, yo, I'm automatic system play, as like the betting nerds say, like, oh, there's a, there's a system play. 
I took the under, and he ended with 20 points. It's like, yo, I wow. always like fading guys off a, a monster career game. And that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about. What Cowboys team am I getting? What Dak Prescott am I getting? Man, but you got to take account their opponent, though. That's, that's the biggest thing, though. Like, he's, you talk about him looking left and right. I don't know how many times he's going to be able to go through his reads against this San Fran pass mm-hmm. rush. And, and a, a defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, who loves bringing in heat, whether it's with Greenwall, Greenlaw or obviously Fred Warner, Ufanga off of the safety. Like, D'Amico Ryans, like we saw in last year's playoffs, going against the likes of Rodgers and obviously Dak as well. And Stafford, like he will bring those six, seven pressures and he will challenge Dallas to, you know, get, you know, for Dak to get the ball quick. Now, Grant, I think Dak did a phenomenal job against Todd Bowles' blitzes. Like he was on money, especially during a gallop. I thought Gallup had arguably his best game of the season as well. But I just think San Francisco, it's such, the team speed is just so much different. Like, you know, my biggest issue with Tampa is just, I think they're one of the slowest teams in the league across the board. San Fran, I don't think there's, many teams that could say they're as explosive as them. Like San Fran, just they're hard hitting. They have, they just accelerate on the line of scrimmage. You know, obviously they have how dominant both is, but it's just, they're so well coached and they're so explosive. I just think it's such a huge contrast to what Tampa is. And that's where the real challenge lies. Cause if Dallas Springs are a game, yeah, I agree. They could be anyone, but it's just, wow, this is a really difficult matchup on both sides of the ball. Cause to me, they're playing arguably the, the most well-rounded team in the league. I love that call on the opponent. That didn't even cross my mind because this is a completely different animal. The, the speed that San Francisco has across the board, offense and defense, is wild. And it's going to be very noticeable for Dallas early on. And also how physical they are, too. The 49ers played on Saturday. Dallas played on Monday. Yeah, they're playing on Sunday. But those two extra days to prepare. And, like, San Francisco, man, there, there was a, a trend, I think, like, the first 15 weeks, every team that played San Francisco the week after they lost. Some, it was no, like, every game. Oh, every, it was every game. Really, the whole season. Whole season, yeah. Wow, so everyone that played San Fran the week before lost the Oh, that's like that L.O.B. I mean, stuff. Remember the Seahawks? <laughs> Seahawks from like yeah. 20, 2013 to like 2015. Like, there were so more. many times where it was like, yo, auto-fade the team that they just played. And wow, damn, I thought it, I, I remember seeing it was like 0 and 15 are the teams that played the 49ers because of how physical they are and how smash mouth, smash mouth style of football that they play. So it's going to be very noticeable, man. And look, this is a rematch from the, the, the wild card round last year in Dallas. And I think that the Niners team this year is way better than the Niners team was last year. And I think it all comes down again to Purdy. I think depending on how you feel about Purdy, do you think that he is the guy who's been on this like winning streak and he's playing that well? Or do you think that it's going to crash and burn? This is, it's still so difficult for me to really, really get behind them. Even though I would say they are my pick, it does scare me that everyone is picking San Fran. And it also scares me that, you know, in the end of the day, it's a, it's a third string quarterback. Like at some point that's going to come out. I know we're saying this, but man, at this point, I think you just got to look at it as like Kyle Shan's a top 10 quarterback in this league. Like his scheme is just so favorable to the, whoever the QB is. Like even years ago, like Nick Mullins was looking like an actual respectable starter. Like that's how crazy Shanahan's offense is. And just look at the playmakers. And, and if things couldn't get any worse for opponents, Debo Samuel looks like he's back to 100%. Good Lord, what a performance he had against Seattle. And 
Kittle, obviously, you know, he had a quiet game. He's him and Purdy seem to have a great rapport. You know, Ayuk's going to bring it every game. Like he's going to have his five to seven catches. And look, McCaffrey's a cheat code. And I do think Dallas, they're not a great tackling team on the back end. And their linebackers could be slow. Like Anthony Barr, not the same player. Lane Vanderush, very sluggish. So I could see McCaffrey on those choice routes or even Debo come out the backfield. Like it's just, there's so many mismatches they could create. And, you know, as well as Dallas's defense played on Monday night, like if they don't get pressure, it, I think it's going to be a long game for them because that secondary cannot hold up. They don't have a real reliable number two. And even Trayvon Diggs, like to me, he's one of the worst tackling corners in the league. And like, that's the last thing you need against the San Fran defense. Like, uh, excuse me, the San Fran offense, because we know how good they are after the catch. So I don't think this is a good matchup for Dallas at all. Like, unless you need Parsons, Lawrence, and, you know, that defensive front to really take over, and you need that all line. They basically got dominating the trenches to win this game. If they, if, if they even have, like, a, you know, somewhat competitive battle, like, I think they're going to get beaten pretty handily. Like, they have to literally own the trenches to even have a shot to win this. I think a defense is going to score a touchdown in this game, Allen, and here's why. Cowboys led the NFL in forced turnovers with 33. They already have one in the playoffs. Second, the 49ers with 30. So these are the two teams with the first and second ranking on turnover differential in the NFL. There are two defenses that are very high risk, high reward, and very consistent with getting turnovers and you have two quarterbacks who again it's a third string quarterback rookie quarterback in the biggest every game that he's going to be winning is going to be the biggest moment of his career and now this is the biggest moment of his career and they got another guy in Dak who tied for the NFL lead in interceptions despite also missing a couple of games too so I think I think a defense is going to score a touchdown in this game and I think whoever that defense is, is going to be the side that comes out and wins this game. We also have to talk about one of the best, funnest coaching battles going on. It's happening again. Long live the 2016 Falcons, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, man. It's like they know each other so well. So, like, I'm really curious because I think all the praise and well-deserved, He, you know, he's done a phenomenal job. I hope he gets a head coach job. But, like, Dan Quinn, like, his defense... He's just, he's not the same simplistic defensive coordinator anymore. He's not just relying on cover three. He's doing a lot more disguises. They're playing a lot more cover two. They're making sure they're not getting beat over the top. So I'm going to just see what Dan Quinn could bring because right now, Kyle Shannon just seems to be on another level. Like, I don't think there's a better play call right now in football on Kyle Shannon, just what he's doing with Purdy. So um, this is another one of those games where you're really looking for, just in general, all four games. When you see like these top tier teams, you want to see what the coaching is like. But Given the nostalgia factor, especially as a Falcon fan, like I'm definitely looking forward to this. But also just because, like, you know, this Dallas defense, they looked like the best defense league for three months. Then they looked average for a month. And you know, after Monday night, now it looks like they're back to their dominant ways. So it's just like, you know, they're so high variance. What's it going to be like a go against the offense that's truly a juggernaut at this point? So I think that's another thing to keep in account, just, you know, the old two old pals coaching against each other that, you know, really create history in Atlanta. I disagree with you in the sense that these matchups are all compelling. If I wasn't a Giants fan, bro, and I had to miss Saturday's games, I probably would. I think the banger games are definitely on Sunday. 
And you don't think though, with Dable and Seriani, like these are two excellent coaches. Like Dale might have the ties, but I think, oh man, I like Wink Martindale. Like what he's doing as well. Like you know, I think all across the board, these teams have great coaches. No, for sure. But if if we're talking about the games that I think are the hardest to pick and, and the best watches, uh, I would, I would oh, yeah. say Sunday's games are absolute bangers. And, oh yeah. And yo, I go as far as saying I think whoever comes out Sunday, that's going to be your Super Bowl. I think the winners of the Sunday games will play in the Super Bowl. That's that's my hot take from Divisional Round Weekend. Okay. Okay. So it's going to be. Mean, a, it's definitely possible. It's a combination oh, wow. of Cowboys, Niners versus Bills, Bengals. That's that's where I'm leading. Man. I can't right believe I'm Chiefs having this at your own risk. Yeah, yeah I don't I know. know about the Chiefs, man. I wouldn't, yeah, because I'm a little down on Philly right now. Like I'm, I'm like I'm all in on San Fran. I think people kind of recognize that by now. The way I talk about San, like I get so giddy talk about the Niners just because they're just loaded. But uh, ooh, I would not want to write off Kansas City. That's that's a dangerous game you're playing. Before we wrap up, who you got in the Cowboys Niners game? Oh, definitely the Niners. Like, I, I didn't really have to think about this. Look, I'm happy for the Cowboys. I think Cowboys, they're a really fun team, but look, the Niners are just too loaded. It's kind of like it's kind of like Giants-Eagles, except the town is even better between these two teams. Like, I think it's a little more competitive. Like, the Cowboys obviously have star power, but dude, like the Niners, it's just, they just beat you in so many ways at this point. And I just think them getting McCaffrey, just, it just creates so much more mismatches. And I don't think, it's going to really take a, a team that could score 30 points consistently to beat this Niners team. Like you really got to have a juggernaut offense and you got to have a defense that could really bring the worst at Purdy and you know, also defense that can generate pressure as well. I agree with you, man. You swung me. I, I came into this thinking Dallas. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But I came into this pod thinking Dallas. And then you mentioned the thing about the speed between Tampa and what they're going to face now. And I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest edge that I can give San Fran. Uh, I'm curious, though, like, well, what made you, like, obviously, we know how good San Fran is, but what are your overall thoughts on San Fran? Like, would you, what were coming out? I know it was kind of one of the only forgettable game coming out last weekend. It was the only non-single-digit, well, besides, obviously, Tampa and Dallas. But, like, I don't know, what's your viewpoint? Of, like, what's your feeling on San Fran at this point? Because I'm a little surprised that you aren't, you aren't as uh, optimistic about them. No, nah, I think they have the most versatile offense that I can remember in all my years of being a football fan and consuming the NFL the way I do. Uh, I talk about it all the time that they could have the same five skill position players and run nine different formations. They could go big. They could go heavy. They could rotate guys. So, And their defense is the best defense in the league. I've been saying that all year also. So I think, I think ultimately I don't get fully behind them because of Brock Purdy. But he just continues to just prove everyone wrong. And I will say this as we wrap up this show. Well, as we wrap up this segment with you, Alan, is to, to all the Cowboy fans that have hit me up. And they told me, yo. No, no, no. But hear me out. They've, they've hit me up and they've said, yo, beat Philly for us, man. Beat Philly for us. Because they're looking past San Fran. And then it will be Giants playing in Dallas, right? And Dallas has had our number. It's like, yo, the only thing I'll say is like, yo, be careful what you wish for. Because if the Giants, bro, if you think I'm unbearable now, the Giants beat the Eagles and then beat the Cowboys in the NFC title game. Oh, oh. You might have to come back to New York. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not coming back. For a week. Not, <laughs> One week. Vegas. Yo, Alan, this was fun, man. We're wrapping up on time Great. here and got the next segment coming up with Kenny. Where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me, Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. And you, know, you did mention Vegas. Are you on Tom Brady watch right now? Uh, cool. That's kind of how I feel about it. If you <laughs> cool. All right. That's all. Never mind then. All right, we're going to be back with a Patreon roll call and then Kenny Bets Big to talk about these games from a betting perspective. So stay tuned. Before we get to my guy Kenny Bets Big, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Ben, Christopher, Derek, Devin, Jordan, Mike, Nick, and Thomas. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon. We're at 60 Patreon members. Shout out to all of you. Congrats to VM. Try to get to 100 by the end of the year. We do have a long way to go, both in getting to 100 and the rest of the way. So with that being said, we didn't give you Monday winners this week because we weren't recording on Monday. Couldn't connect with Kenny on Tuesday, but we are here closer to the weekend. Kenny bets big. What up, dog? <laughs> What's good, man? I, lo- I love the intros. They never, I never get tired of them. I try to, I try to get creative. I try to think it off the top, you know, like a loose three, four bars. The hip hop fan in me. I got no bars though. I'll never try to rap. Never do one of those things. But I do try to come up with different <laughs> ones every single time. But how was Wildcard Weekend, man? From a betting standpoint, I, di- I didn't go too crazy. Uh, honestly, I actually I went zero and two, zero and two Wildcard Weekend. Uh, I had the Seahawks plus ten, and I had the Bucks. Everyone knew I was on the Bucks, and man, Tom Brady did me so dirty. What about you, though? How'd you do? Uh, unfortunately, I was, I mean, fortunately for me, I was big on San Fran, big on Baltimore, so I'm feeling good. My favorite pick was Tampa Bay. When us two agree on a pick, I feel a lot better, too. And we've always talked about how, like, we both don't really get our picks from anyone else. We don't tell anyone else. We feel like we've been in the game long enough where we kind of make our own calls. but. Anytime us two are on the same side, it, it like kind of validates it in a weird way for me. And I'm there 2-0, and and I did something that I've never done. And it's like, I, I bet a lot more than I usually do on Tampa Bay. And Kenny, this is the recap. Just Tom Brady just pissing it away from me, man. Everything I won over the weekend, blown away. Shouts to Tom. Shouts to the Bucks. <sighs> That's how wildcard weekend was. That was a weird one. You know why? Because... It, it was clearly not the right bet. It was one where I'm sitting there Monday, you know, every underdog covered the, the, the weekend except the Seahawks, right? So every dog covered. Um, I'm sitting there Monday. Everyone is betting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All we're hearing about is how Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys. Um, he's got more playoff wins than the Cowboys. And it just kind of seemed like it was too trendy, like too, too popular of an underdog pick. And I'm sitting there and I, I know the Cowboys are there, I bet. And I, I almost didn't even touch the game. And last minute, I, I remembered last year where it was almost like the same exact scenario for the Buccaneers where, you know, round one, they were kind of a trendy pick. I stayed off of them and they ended up going on to win. And I was like, damn, like, wh- why wouldn't I bet Tom Brady there in the playoffs? It's Tom Brady, right? Like, it's my guy. I always ride with him. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go small. I took the Bucks plus three. And first few drives, I mean, the defense looked great. I was like, all right, we're, we, we, we should be in this to the end. And, uh, you know, the Tom Brady red zone pick happens first one of the year, uh, what was Al Michaels, Troy Aikman, they jinxed him on that. I don't know if you caught that one, but 
Yeah, that was uh, that was an ugly one. The Bucks looked terrible, really bad. You knew we were doomed when they flashed the graphic and they said he hasn't thrown a red zone interception since he got to Tampa. And then, bro, it happens so many times. It's so <laughs> weird, bro, and it pisses me off when I'm on a side and. And, and they show a graphic like, oh, this kicker. You see what the kickers allow, right? This kicker has not missed an extra point in, in 47 straight games. And then what happens? He misses an extra point. When they flash the graphic on ESPN that he hasn't thrown an interception since being with Tampa Bay, I was like, oh, boy. And then was it the, the throw after or, or two throws after that? He throws an interception and you're like, oh, oh, there goes that. There goes the money line. There goes the plus two and a half. And, and dude, it was such a teaser, too, because, bro, I, yo, I lost so much money on that game. I couldn't even do simple math, Kenny. I'm sitting there <laughs> in the third quarter when they're driving and they're inside like the six-yard line and it's, 20, it's uh, 31 to six. I couldn't compute in my head 31 minus six to decide if that was, if they could get within that game within three scores. Because I was like, yo, what's 31? My Dude, I took out my count. I was so shot. Like, that's how bad Tampa Bay did me wrong, bro. I couldn't do simple math to, to be able to figure out if they were within three scores or not. I was rattled, dude. This has never happened before. <laughs> That's because you, you did the math in your head of how, how much your bank account was going to go down yeah. after. Oh, man. Oh, man. I do got some. Yeah, and it's crazy. You're, you're right. It, it is crazy. It's almost clockwork. You know, college basketball, they'll put up the graphic. This guy hasn't missed a free throw in 55 attempts. And yeah. next he comes up, he's a 95% on the year, bricks two free throws. It's amazing how often those announcers just jinx these people. And it's even crazier how often it comes to fruition, the jinx, right? Like it happens every game. Yeah. It's, I don't want to talk about it no more, man. It's uh, I'm going to take a couple <laughs> of weeks to recover from this. I do want to mention a couple of trends from last week that we highlighted and then kind of came into play a successful trend for a lot of betters over the last couple of years, Kenny, that I've heard people talk about is taking the QB with playoff experience Versus a QB making his debut. It's been like a 72% against the spread. The quarterback that has the experience versus the debuting quarterback. But last week was an exception. The debut quarterback versus a quarterback with playoff experience. 3-0 and against the spread. 1-2 and straight up. My boy Daniel Jones, the only one getting the win. What kind of trends... Do those trends mean anything to you when you're betting in the NFL playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, de I definitely think it's something you have to take into consideration, especially that one you just you just spoke about, because, you know, everyone knows when you're in the playoffs, everything is just notched up. Right. Like the intensity is more it's more intense. It's more pressure. It's loser go home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everything is just the stakes are just higher all around. So, of course, if you've never been there and you're someone that rattles easy, yeah, it, the, those type of things definitely matter. But, you know, when you see like a, the Daniel Jones one, I mean, he's going up against Kirk Cousins and we all know Kirk Cousins in, I, I actually thought the Vikings would win that game, but we all know Kirk Cousins in the playoffs or in prime time and, and the pressure's on, he he crumbles. And I mean, we look, look at what the guy does on fourth down, right? What was it fourth and eight? He throws a three yard pass to TJ Hawkinson game season on the line. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he, he crumbled in, in the spotlight. Yeah, that was wild, man. And I felt so good as the week was progressing to Sunday. I felt so much better about the Giants winning the beating the Vikings. And that's what made me really know. I didn't bet that game, actually. Uh, I, I stayed away because I'm too invested, like, emotionally when it comes to them, especially when they're good. I'm a pretty rational fan. Like, 
I don't pick them to win the division every year. I don't think they're going to be good every year. Every Monday I was coming on the show and I was laughing whenever they were getting wins. We would have those conversations too. I couldn't believe it. But when they are good and I have expectations for them to be good, that's when it stings more like the fandom kicks in. And as it got closer, dude, all my friends were on the Giants. And I was like, oh. And I have that one friend who, I mean, it's probably like 87% if you just pick against them. Like, he's the ultimate mush. And he was on the Giants. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy, Kenny. It's going to be one of those days, huh? And then, obviously, he was wrong. Uh, he was right, I should say. And it turned out to be great. But I do have a couple of trends heading into the divisional round. They do say it's the best weekend of football, like the quality of it. These are usually the best teams that are remaining. When in doubt, fade the home favorites. Home favorites in the divisional round. The underdog is 42 and 30 against the spread, 58%. And I think we should open up the conversation with the two top seeds because they are also the only teams that had a buy now with this new playoff format. Let's go in order, man. Kansas City, eight and a half point favorite. They are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. You already know people are going to be saying, Trevor Lawrence, he's never lost on Saturday. Whole shit. They're going to be looking at the plus, the plus number on the Jaguars on a money line perspective. How do you feel about this one? I mean, they're not lying, right? Trevor Lawrence has never lost on Saturday. But I'll tell you what, he's also never played Patrick Mahomes on Saturday. <laughs> so he, he, he's got his hands full this weekend for sure. And the, the spread is weird. The eight and a half line. Um, it, it, a lot of these games, even looking back to last week, and these are tough games to handicap. There's a lot of uncertainty, you know, on both sides. But, you know, we, we know how the Chiefs usually perform, especially with extra rest, right? Andy, we, we would hear for years, Andy Reid coming off a of bye week is, is unstoppable. Yeah, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I see a lot of, you know, a lot of sharp bettors are taking the under here. Like, I'm not betting the under in a Chiefs-Jaguars game here. Are you? Do you want to put your money on an under here? Nah, nah. I always think of it as if I'm betting an under in a game like that, I'm going to feel pretty dumb throughout the whole game when I see Mahomes just hitting Kelsey open for 30 yards. And I, I, I could see the Chiefs hanging like a 40 spot on Jacksonville. The more I talk about this game and the more I think about this game, the more I think it might be a route. We've seen teams that rematch in the playoffs 72% of the time they win. You had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that rematch, they win in the second game. And you didn't see it last week with the Giants and the Vikings, uh, but we were, we've been talking about the Vikings being frauds all year. So you have a rematch in which the Chiefs covered the number in the regular season against them. The number was nine and a half. They ended up winning by 10, but that game wasn't close. Like they got a garbage time touchdown at the end to push it to 10. It's not like it was ever in jeopardy. Dude, I kind of feel like that game's going to play out the same way. And, the last couple of years, the Chiefs in the playoffs against the number haven't been that dominant. Like, they lost outright to Cincinnati last year, which to this day, dude, I, I feel like Mahomes got concussed in that first half. There was a play where he ran out of bounds and he kind of got wobbled. And from there, it was just a downward spiral the whole second half against Cincinnati. And then they also didn't cover that game against the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago. But you could also say, like, Mahomes got knocked out of that game, too. That's when Chad Henney was playing quarterback there. So, to me, man, I usually don't like taking this big of a number, but that's kind of where I'm leaning towards, Kenny. Yeah, the, the, the regular season matchup's interesting. I actually bet the Jaguars in that one. I had them plus 10. Um, 
And the Jaguars, if you look back, they actually won the turnover battle. I think they had three turnovers to none. They started the game off with an onside kick. They had, they had some opportunities in that game, and they kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one. I, the eight-and-a-half number is weird. I, I definitely wouldn't ever take the Chiefs on that line, personally. If you're someone who wants to bet the Chiefs, I would probably incorporate them in some sort of teaser. Um, and I think you could tease the Jaguars the other way as well, right? If you get the Jags up at a touchdown on top of the eight and a half, 15 and a half, uh, I, I think that's a pretty safe number as well for the Jaguars, who I think uh, on a seven point teaser, I think they're the most profitable team in the NFL this year, actually. Wow. Interesting. Damn. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I think they're. They're like I read an article on Action Network. It was like they were thirteen and three or something like that. If you put them in teasers this year, sheesh. You know who got the best record against the number this year? Giants. Let's go, baby. Fourteen <laughs> four and one against the number, and that leads me into this next one. So, I got a I got a nice trend for you. I want to hear what you think about this one. Back road teams in division rematches. 14-4-1 against the spread is the road team and division rematches in the divisional round of the playoffs, 78%. I'm worried, Kenny, that a lot of people are spotlighting the Giants again to pull the upset because of the uncertainty with Jalen Hurts, how he was hurt towards the tail end of the year, even though he's not on the injury report at all this week. Lane Johnson being banged up. and I think the thing I'm the most excited about for the Giants is I think they finally have a defensive front that can make some noise with those guys like Dexter Lawrence. You got Leonard Williams, Thibodeau, and Ojolari. I think they could create a lot of damage up front. But I get worried, man, when everyone's on that same side, dude. Yeah, I mean... You, you should be worried, right? Because that's the old, like, <clears throat> look at look at the Buccaneers game on Monday. That's just the typical public underdog. And that's never the side you want to be on riding the dog, the underdog that everyone is betting. Because we know as bettors, if you've been doing this, they typically don't cover or win the game. And I, I think the Eagles have been one of the most disrespected teams all season. I, I kind of put them in the same category as the Chiefs, right? Where the Eagles started off, what were they, 13-0, and 14-1? And even during that run, they weren't really getting talked about as, you know, real contenders. You had people talking about the Niners. Um, there was a point where they were talking about the Cowboys were, were good contenders when they were putting 40, 50 points up on, and during that three, four game stretch. Uh, we've been hearing about, you know, the Bills, the Bengals. And it kind of seems like the Eagles have been flying under the radar. And they've been one of the most impressive, well-rounded teams in the league from start to finish. Um, if Jalen Hurts doesn't go down toward the end there, they probably win more games than they actually won. So I like the Eagles a lot. But, you know, you know, as people who follow me know, I'm really not a favorites better. So that's why some of these these games that I'm looking at this weekend are a little tough for me because I don't have any interest in backing the Giants versus the Eagles. I know the trends, you know, are screaming the Giants. I know all of these things, you know, you just pointed out. But then you look at the splits and it seems like everyone's betting the Giants here. So. Yeah, I don't have any interest in backing the G-men. Uh, I, I don't think they'll cover. I don't think they'll win. Uh, the Eagles are just too good. I think the Eagles are, you know, the most well-rounded team, in, you know, that the Giants are going to face here. And we've seen what happened in the, the two regular season matchups, right? 
Yeah, well, the, the one with Davis Webb, I don't hold much to it. But you're right. When they played them in, in MetLife, they, they destroyed the Giants. It was, it was a no contest. They really embarrassed them. I well, how long has it been since the Giants went to Philly and won? Oh, dude. There, there's not you a, know, you know, yeah, I, oh, I know, I know for sure. <laughs> I, I, I hate, I hate Philly fans. I hate the Eagles. I hate the Liberty Bell. I hate everything about Philadelphia, dude. I don't like anything about them. And my, my hatred for them is only going to skyrocket, right? Like uh, the, the hatred isn't going to lessen this week, no matter what happens in this game. Cause either we're going to beat them and I'm still going to hate them or they're going to end my season once again. And I'm just going to hate them even more. So that's how I feel about the Eagles. But I do think there's something interesting that's transpired over the last couple of years. And I like doing this this time of year, dude. I blindly will money line the underdogs that are like close to double digit dogs. Because I feel like even Baltimore, like Baltimore last week, I feel should have won that game outright. And I had bet them on the 100%. money line too. But you had that turnover, which, which took away all that momentum. But, and there's some data to back this too. Backing Moneyline underdogs of 7 to 11 points, straight up record is 12, 21, and 0, 36% win rate. However, on $100 bets, Kenny, you'd be up $2,000. If you just, the last, that would be 33 times that we bet a close to 7 to 11 point underdog in the playoffs, division around only, if you just blindly took $100 and bet it on every underdog on the money line, you'd be up $2,000. And the reason why I also bring that up is because both of the games on Saturday, this fits this criteria. So, dude, history kind of shows that. I've that span too? What's up? Like how long back does that trend go? It goes back the last 33 times that this has been presented. Now, it doesn't really say exactly the year, but... Oh, the past two decades. Sorry. So the past two decades, okay. this is the trend. So history kind of tells us that it's a it's a high percentage that one of these two teams, either the Jaguars or the Giants, are going to win on Saturday. But I also, as a Giants fan, dude, I, I also could see them just getting their shit punched in. Like, I, I really think, dude, that the Giants either win this game or they lose by three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm more on the side of they lose by three touchdowns. Um, and it's weird because usually I find myself backing the underdogs, especially the division dogs. Like I like the Seahawks against the Niners. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. The Eagles are just, I think the Eagles are just that much better than the Giants. Yeah, I would. Because, you, you know, we, we talked about the Vikings in one score games. The Giants are like right behind them in, you know, the number of one score games they've won this year. And, you know, another one last week, one score game, right? They won by one score against the Vikings. Yep. Yeah. So another one score game, they beat the Vikings. Um, you know, when, when you're winning these one score games, you, you love to talk about it. You're kind of just walking on a knife there. You know, any, any game, it could just, the ball's not going to bounce your way. Uh, just like it did for the Vikings last week. This next game, I think is my favorite bet of the weekend. And it's the Bills and the Bengals. And I have a gut feeling we're going to disagree on this one. But <laughs> I love Cincinnati. Really? Yeah. Gut initial reaction, I'm, I'm, I was leaning Cincinnati as well. I still lean Cincinnati. This is probably 
these games are, (laughs) it's crazy. I'm going to keep saying it, but these games are hard, man. And, you know, when we're, when we're in this business of, you know, selling picks or coming on here and giving out bets to people listening, it's hard because, you know, the, the only edge we, the biggest edge we have against the books is that we don't have to bet every single game. But when people are listening, they want to hear obviously our takes, who we like, what we're thinking. But yeah, these, these games are hard. They're fucking hard to bet, man. And I, they could go either way. Like, would you be shocked if the bills win? Would you be shocked if the Bengals win? Of course not. Bills 13 and 0 in the playoffs as home favorites. I mean, my gut is telling me that the bills win the game. Uh, initially I, I was on the Bengals side as the week goes on, I start to creep onto the side of the bills Ultimately, I think we'll see Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. We get Chiefs, Cowboys in the Super Bowl. That's how I think this whole thing plays out. Hmm. Hmm. The reason why I like Cincinnati is, look, it's great how things have transpired for DeMar Hamlin and, and he's recovered. And I could already see him either like leading the team out the huddle or he'll be in a suite with the owner or he'll be on the sideline, maybe do the, you know, ceremonial coin toss. But dude, I think the Bengals are playing with a massive chip on their shoulder. Yeah. They're the underdog, but I also think their mentality going into this one is everything is playing against them, right? Like this game, this game, in my opinion, Kenny should have been the game that's on a neutral field. If the chiefs, sorry, if the Bengals and the bills were to play each other in the playoffs, this should have been the game that should have been on a neutral field, not the AFC championship game, because this is the t- these are the two teams that the Monday Night Football incident with Demar Hamlin turned out. And yeah, we have the issues with the offensive line for the Bengals, which everyone's talking about the cluster injuries, and I've made note of that many, many times in the past. But yo, if there's anyone, anyone that could deal with a shitty offensive line and be productive, and win a playoff game on the road, you know who it is? Joe Burrow. You know why? Because we saw that shit last year. No quarterback in NFL history was sacked as many times as him in a playoff game and left with a W. Got sacked nine times against the Titans last year. And that offensive line was terrible in Cincinnati. And I think they're going to go in there with a game plan to get the ball out of his hands quick. He has the stallions on the outside to make the noise. I can see this being a big Joe Mixon game. And I just think that Josh Allen, dude, he he has five red zone turnovers and one fumble loss. He leads the NFL in both inside the red zone. And he's just been, he's been doing a lot of dumb shit, man, all year. So to me, I'm definitely taking the plus five for the Bengals. It's my favorite side of the week. And I also got them moving on and beating Buffalo. Yeah, the five is nice. I think that game comes down to a field goal. Probably whoever has the ball last. That's kind of how I see that one going, right? Yeah, dude. And that's uh, similar to like the Chargers game. Yeah, and and that's that's the other thing too. Like, I feel like if this game, Kenny, if this game was in a neutral, right? If they played this game in Detroit, don't you think it would be like a three-point line either way? Like, I feel like this this game is, or maybe even a pick 'em, dude. Like, I wouldn't put Buffalo as the favorite on a neutral. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, if so, you figure what would you typically home fields, what, three, three and a half points, I guess, depending where you are. 
the line's five. So yeah, it'd probably be around one, two point spread uh, in Buffalo's favor, I would imagine, just based on where they set the line now. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The Cincinnati injuries scare me. Losing Lyle Collins, I think they lost another starter last week on the O-line. They've lost three O-linemen altogether, what, in a three, four-week stretch. You, you called it the cluster injury. I don't know. The O-line just scares me. I, I think the Bills' defense will be able to cause enough pressure and havoc to kind of, you know, force Joe Burrow to maybe make a turnover or just, you know, make enough bad plays. And we've seen over the last few weeks, like, yeah, this Bengals offense is super elite and we've seen what they can do when they're clicking and, you know, everything's going like, look at the first half of the Patriots game, Joe Burrow's what he complete, like the first 15 passes or something he threw. But then we also, you look at last week, what they do against the Ravens. And after that first quarter, the offense just goes very stale and stagnant and they, they really didn't do much. So that's what scares me is just the, the Bengals team. They're, they're too hit or miss. And I think ultimately the bills will just be able to keep trucking along, getting it done. Uh, and Josh Allen will figure a way to, to, to get that game. Agree to disagree is the best part about this, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, and again, like I said, I'm, <clears throat> it's not something I love. Like right. I'm not going telling my clients to Hey, slam the bills. If I was going to, you know, gun to my head, I would probably take the Bengals plus five, you know, if I'm betting that game. But if you're asking me who's going to win it, uh, I think the Bills will probably advance there. This next game, dude, and I was talking about it with Allen. I think the winner of this one wins the NFC. And it's the Cowboys as a three and a half point underdog going into San Francisco. Brock Purdy, everyone is on the hype train. They've scored. 33 or more points in five of their last six games. The Cowboys <coughs> are the highest scoring team in the NFL. Hurt you to say that. Third, what? As a Giants, as a Giants fan, it hurt you to say the Cowboys are the, the number one scoring team, huh? You almost choked there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of these these Cowboys. I, I got it bad this week, bro. Because I've been spending the last four months just trashing them. And even my, my buddy Jason, who came on the show earlier this week, he, he's a Cowboys fan, and it was perfect timing, too. Because, you know, man, I, I, I like trolling, but I like being trolled back, too, especially when I'm wrong. I, I welcome all the smoke, all the bars. But, yeah, it kind of just uh, it, it went down the wrong pipe on this one, just reading that one out loud. But the Cowboys are 9-7-1 against the spread, 12-5 and five straight up. And this game... I'm worried about Dallas having less time to prepare for this one, playing on Monday, whereas San Francisco played on Saturday. Kenny, is that is that something you look at when you're when you're betting? Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to consider it, right? It's yeah. it's a huge thing, especially in the NFL. Like, look at you can kind of correlate it to the Thursday under trend, right? Where teams play on those short weeks, typically the the games go under on those Thursday night games just because teams don't have as much time to prepare. But I love the Dallas Cowboys, man. I I, I said before, before the Monday game, it, I told all my clients, I said, listen, this is going to be Tampa's toughest game. If for whatever reason they lose, I think the winner of the NFC championship comes out of this game. Um, and I just think the Cowboys that, you know, everyone's kind of writing them off. It's a little different than the typical Cowboys story we're hearing around this time. You know, like last year it was, Cowboys look great. Uh, they were big favorites over the Niners. Uh, you know, they're going to easily beat the Niners and kind of march through the playoffs and the Niners upset them. And 
it's funny how things work out. Now the Cowboys have a chance to go to San Fran and upset the 49ers when everyone in the world is talking about the Niners look like the best team there is. It, you know, if, you, if you've been in this for a while and you know, you know betting, you, know, you will agree with what I'm saying here. I can't give you a ton of stats to tell you why the Cowboys are the right bet. I can't give you something to say like the Cowboys are a better team because they're not. The 49ers, they're on what, an 11-game win streak. They're beating teams by like 16 points per game. They have the best defense in the NFL. But I'll tell you what, everything, like the NFL, it, oh, it never goes chalk, right? We, we see it every year. It's never chalk. So everyone, if you look at all of these analysts and the brackets they're picking, it's Niners versus Eagles in, in the NFC Championship. It's Niners winning the Super Bowl. It's Niners this, Niners that. And I just think it's going to come crashing down sooner or later. Brock Purdy, rookie quarterback, he's been playing out of his mind. Hats off to the guy. He's He looks fucking fantastic out there. But, you know, you you highlighted it when we first started talking. Rookie quarterbacks, first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs, they tend to struggle, um, unless your name's Thomas Brady. So, yeah, I, I just think the Niners, they've been playing too well. Eventually, they're going to stumble, and I think that stumble game is going to be here against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are fucking legit. You know, my buddy was talking to me the other day saying they're overrated, and they're not. They're the number two defensive DVOA team in the NFL. They're number 10 in offensive DVOA, so they're top 10 in both. Typically, that's what you're looking for in a team to make it to the Super Bowl, and they ha- they have the they have the talent, right? Like, there's gonna be a bar fight, dude. There's gonna be a slugfest. Both both defenses, and you got a lot of interesting pieces in this. You got Nick Bosa on one side, you got Micah Parsons on the other. Them two were going at it all year long for defensive player of the year. It's probably gonna go to Bosa. I mean, all the markets say that it is. You can't even bet on it. And last time I checked, he was like minus twenty two hundred to be defensive yeah. player of the year. And then you're right. He hasn't he hasn't really battled adversity yet, Brock Purdy. And that's that's something that I think Dallas can do to him. And I think that three and a half is definitely enticing. I do think it's a field goal game either way, which is going to be interesting, especially with Maher after missing four straight PATs, which, dude, talk about a bad B, right? Like for the people that bet the over... 45 and a half for that game to land on 45 is wild because of the red zone turnovers by Brady and the Bucks, the the turnover on downs by Brady and the Bucks, and then the four straight PAT misses too. It's like, dude, that's a that's a bad beat. And then Mike Evans at the end. Mike Evans, bro, yeah. the 74 and a half was his yardage total and he ends with 74 he was the most bet anytime touchdown guy and brady just puts it on a platter in his hands and he drops it on a walk-in touchdown that would have put the game over evans props over it it was crazy and talk about a bad b like that was a really bad beat but to me man i'm on i think dallas plus three and a half is the side that i'm on i was hoping i could get it a little higher maybe plus four but it is a public team and we saw them on monday night football too and it, it all depends what Cowboys team is going to show up because if if the Cowboys team shows up that we saw on Monday, you might be onto something with them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean they we we saw it during the regular season when they get hot, they're a really good team, right? They've had they've had multiple games with forcing four plus turnovers. They have multiple games of putting up 40, 50 points. Like they have the pieces to do it, and you know if. 
let's say they, you know, you talk about your Giants. Like, let's say the Giants pull off this miraculous upset over the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cowboys pull off the upset. I mean, that's like a game prime for Dallas to take right there. I would imagine, it's in Dallas. The Giants struggle at defending the tight end. So you got, you know, Dalton Schultz. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I think it's there for the Cowboys to make it. And how crazy would Cowboys fans be if uh, if that happens? God bless us all. Yeah, that's going to be rough. That's going to definitely be rough. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real rough. I, I do like uh, a couple props in that game. Like, I think you could – like. So I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you, if you got any props also, because now it's only four games we could bet on. There's really only, Mm -hmm. what would that be? Eight, eight things we could bet on per day, right? Like it's, you know, either side over unders. Uh, I like dabbling in some props. I have some anytime touchdown props that I'm into, but give me some that, that are on the radar for you. Yeah. One, one thing that I'm looking at for that Cowboys game is I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a big game. Uh, The Cowboys, Worst team in the NFL against the number two wide receiver for the opposing team. And once they lost Brown, their their number two corner, uh, that's just been kind of, you know, the, the floodgates opened up for the number two wide receiver. So I think a lot of people are going to be keying in on like Devo props, uh, McCaffrey props. I think Ayuk is, is poised to have a, a big game. And him and Purdy, they have a great connection with one another, right? We've seen Ayuk have some nice games since Purdy's taken over. I like that one. Actually, I'm looking at Ayuk to score a touchdown at plus 230. Love it. He, <clears throat> Diggs, whoever he matches up on, and last year in the playoff game, he matched up a lot on Ayuk, and Ayuk was just having him dance out there. Like, it was bad. There was one route that people were criticizing Jimmy G that he missed him on where Ayuk left him like 20 yards behind. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I'm also looking at, if you want to get a little wild, a guy like Michael Gallup, maybe T.Y. Hilton, to score a touchdown anytime because I think the one thing that was really concerning about San Francisco was how open DK Metcalf was getting. And granted, DK Metcalf is one of the most explosive wide receivers in the game, but I think a way you could attack San Francisco is through the air. So I'm putting together a little same game parlay, dude. And it got Michael Gallup, anytime touchdown, Brandon Ayuk, anytime touchdown. And you were talking about the Giants covering tight ends. Dallas Goddard is a stone cold lock to score a touchdown this week. <laughs> Plus 195. The Giants, I'm 31 years old, bro. I'll be 32 in March. My whole life watching the Giants, tight ends just absolutely torch us. And it's going to continue. Hertz loves the tight end. Dallas got it to score a touchdown. Best best bet of the pod, Dallas got it to score a touchdown. Plus 195. But if you combine all three of those guys, 40 to 1. Anytime touchdown. It's not bad at all. Throw it, you know, throw a little pizza money at it. Yeah. Yeah, what props who, you got? Who do you think wins the Niners Cowboys game? <clears throat> Man, this time last week, I wouldn't have hesitated this long. I would have just snap answer told you San Francisco. But if Dak plays as well as he did, dude, that's the best game Dak Prescott has ever played in his career. And if he could, look great. If he could play like that, man, it's going to be hard to beat Dallas. Uh, but I'm going to say San Francisco. Okay. See, so, like, are you, do you look at how well San Fran, because like a lot of casual betters or sports fans will look and see how good San Francisco has been playing and just kind of automatically check the box. Like they're getting to the Super Bowl, right? Like me, I look at those things and say, oh, this team has been playing too good. Like they're going to come back down to earth at some point. 
And unfortunately for them, it's most likely, well, it would have to be in the playoffs here. Um, you know, like, do you look at it that way as well? Yeah. But then also now they got to win just three more games. So maybe this winning streak continues and then you're kind of asked out on that take too. But I feel like both of these teams, if it crashes and burns, it's going to be bad. Like they'll both get exposed, especially with Purdy. Like, dude, Purdy in the first half last week, he had 19 pass attempts. You can't have him throw the ball that much, especially with the running game that they have. And yeah, they got a lot of weapons, but they have four guys that they can hand the ball off to. The two running backs, Debo, and then Juszczyk too gets a carry occasionally. So, to me, I think, I think they're for real, man. I, I still would say if, I was, if we were doing power rankings right now and I had the top pick, I would probably pick Kansas City out the AFC and then I would pick San Francisco out the NFC. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's frustrating, especially for me. I've bet against them a few times. And you're, you're right. They're, the Niners are they're something, man. They're, they're a really good team. Getting Christian McCaffrey really put them over the top. I, I mean, I don't even think I have to say that. Everyone knows that. But, you know, the numbers since, since his, first game, his first full game with them to now, the team is just taking it up a total different level, you know, uh, from offensive output standpoint. Give me a couple of props that you have your mind on before we wrap up the show. And I want to end the show, give you some time to think about it. Give me like your favorite bet because I have mine also. So the Ayuk prop, I'll probably look to take him, you know, over receiving yards. Uh, you could probably, depending what his reception line is, I'll, I might dabble in that. Um, I think Goddard, you know, you talked about that. I'll probably take his over reception prop. I gave Hawkinson last week over receptions um, on Moxie Betts. That was one of my favorite plays of the week. That one cashed easy with him and Kirk Cousins against the Giants. So I, I like that. Um, I'm not a big anytime touchdown guy just because I, I think it's, you know, throwing darts really. And, and it's one of those things where I feel like you start, when you start sprinkling on those, the payouts, you know, you get caught up in, in looking at those things. Right. And then you put one here, one there, you, you lose five bets. Next thing you know, you lost a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks, depending what your unit size is that you're betting. But uh, I really like the IUK one. My favorite bet of the weekend is, uh, is, is the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys spread money line. Um, I, I think they get it done. Hurts to say, cause I don't like the Cowboys at all, but I, I think they're going to be one of those teams where we're, we're looking back at this playoff run and we say, yeah, they just got hot at the right time. Could be, that could be the case for sure. And look, man, you don't need to like a team. You, you, you like money though. So no, of bet. course. Yeah. I bet on teams. I hate all the time. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta. Yeah. <laughs> so you're on Cowboys to win. That's your favorite bet. And and obviously with the number. Favorite bet would be the with the spread. Right. Uh, three and a half. But yeah, I, I do think the Cowboys went outright, honestly. And that could just be my stubbornness, you know, because the Niners have burned me a few times and it could just be my stubbornness saying, you know, fuck the Niners here. But I just think they've been playing. Like I said, I, I think they'll come back down to earth and everything regresses back to the mean at some point. My favorite bet is the Bengals plus five. I think I think Burrow keeps it close. Burrow don't really get blown out. And uh, if there's any guy that could go and pull an upset with all the circumstances that he has to deal with, I think it's Burrow. And I think the Bengals are really fired up. So I'm going to go with them going and winning that game. Kenny, this was dope, man. I'm excited. Uh, our, our time is uh, slowly coming to an end with football ending. But uh, this is always fun, man, to chop it up with the betting stuff. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Kenny Betts Big. And for anyone listening, you know, 
just during the regular season, it's, it's a little bit easier to pick like the winners or lines I think are going to shift, you know, in advance on like a Monday or a Wednesday, like today. Um, but when, when it comes to these games, what I look for primarily is just where the money is. So like, I don't get those things until like Saturday, Sunday, because it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, numbers now are so, so little compared to what they'll be Saturday. So like Saturday, Sunday, I'll have a much better idea of what I'm going to be betting. So if you, you know, you're listening, you want to know, you could always shoot me a DM or, um, you know, find me on Twitter to uh, Kenny bets big. At Nick Deus 10, as you can find me, veteransminimum.com, as you can find all things VM. Join the Discord. The, bot, the link is in the bio below. And make sure you get your picks for the Run Your Pool contest. And we will catch you guys next time on VM. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.